share a quote here from Gandhi about uh, human potential. We're going to look at some things today from a scientific standpoint. There's not going to be an explanation. That's not surprising. Western science is based upon materialism, so they discount anything uh, supernatural. But we're going to look at some things not explained by science. You might say it's mind over matter. That's going to be true. I would say it's faith over matter. I'll give you some examples of some university experiments that were done and again how do you explain these things that may be something that uh, is kind of beyond just our own understanding but take and understand that because these things happen what that means for you and i and what impact we have in the world the world has upon us now gandhi said man often becomes what he believes himself to be if I keep on saying to myself, I cannot do a certain thing, it is possible I may, I may end up really becoming incapable. On the contrary, if I have the belief that I can do it, I shall surely acquire the capacity to do it, even if I may not have it at the beginning. So again, we're going to look at some things here. It's not just mind over matter. Some things are not readily explainable with logic, but understand again, it's, it's faith over matter. Now, Deepak Chopra shared, you know, that uh, you have roughly 60,000 thoughts a day. The challenge, he said, for most people, they repeat the same 95% of thoughts each day, and most of those are negative. So the way to break that is to say, if I'm having 60,000 thoughts, let me consciously choose thoughts that are empowering, that are faith-filled, that are God-honoring, and not get caught up in the negativity, which is so easy to do. I'll give you some ways to do that, but it's important to understand us as believers, as Dwight Moody said, I look upon this world as a wrecked vessel. God has given me a lifeboat and said to me, Moody, save all you can. To understand as we look around us, there's many shipwrecked lives, lots of fears, lots of anxieties, lots of doubts, angers, divisions, we need to be people solidly built on our faith in Christ with a lifeboat that goes out and rescues people in those shipwrecked places, in those dark places, bring them into the light of what Christ has promised for them. You know, as Tony Robbins said, once you conquer the inside world, you can handle anything external. And so when we conquer the inside world, thoughts, feelings, not being shaken by external circumstances. When you recognize who you are in Christ and build that up in faith and allow that faith to then begin to overflow, you have a confidence that's not easily shaken, but it's grounded in knowing he that is that way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this from Robin Openshaw, especially thinking about maybe you're wrestling with things some of that anxiety and fear in the world, somebody might know wrestling with that. You know, I've said before, somebody might say, I've had depression for years. And the question is, maybe that's not true. Maybe your first experience with depression was years ago, but maybe you're depressed for a few moments a day. And when you add up those moments, it doesn't add up to years, maybe it adds up to a few weeks. So maybe your depression started you know, years ago, but the reality is it's better to say I've had depression for maybe it's been a few weeks when you add it all up together. Here's the reality. The average emotion, how long do you think it lasts? Now, somebody that's depressed, they'll say it lasts a long time. Somebody that's angry, it lasts a long time. The truth is the average emotion lasts 90 seconds, 90 seconds. So when somebody feels like this overwhelm in that moment, it seems like an eternity. But if you just say, 
this is just a feeling, it will pass. Remind yourself often of that and don't get caught up in letting that defeat become your natural thinking. Because I've shared before, you know, Martin Sagelman shared when people reach defeat, they've gone through what he calls the three P's. They've seen problems as personal and permanent and pervasive. Personal is where somebody says, you know, God is doing this to torture me or to punish me. When you step back and say it's not personal, because God has your best interest at heart. When somebody says it's permanent, they say this will never change. Or this is impossible to change. Or things will always be like this. You're hearing things like that from some talking heads in the news or in the media or in leadership. And some of those people are some of the most anxiety-ridden people I've ever seen. Don't get caught up in that a problem is permanent. The only thing permanent is the promise that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. And then pervasive. When somebody feels this issue or this obstacle impacts my entire life, the reality is it does not. Maybe you have a relationship problem. And in the moment, it seems like that dominates every area of your life. But understand, look at it in truth and see that it doesn't pervade every area. You know, maybe your marriage is in a bad place, but you might still be able to say your health is optimal. Your finances are very healthy. Your relationship with your children is good. So when you get to the place and say it's, it's a personal, permanent, pervasive problem, you're on the way to defeat. The way out of that is some of the things we're going to look at here in just a moment. As Michael Hoff said, weak men create hard times. Weak men here are weak men with weak character and a lack of courage. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. We want to be strong men, strong women, grounded in who we are in Christ. Recognizing, as Joseph did, Genesis 41, he went from being betrayed by his brothers, something he wept like a baby over, being put in prison, betrayed by other friends he thought he had, until he stood before Pharaoh, interpreted a dream in Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to him, I put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. One moment a a prisoner, the next he rules the land. That's faith. That's recognizing that can happen in a moment in your life, in my life. Or Luke 19, 17, the parable of the talents. The master said, well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in small matters, take charge of 10 cities. Notice it's not equal there. You do small things right, and God says, here's 10 cities. When we're faithful in little, he gives much. And that's what faith is. It's saying, you know, my circumstances today may not be where I want, but tomorrow God could say, here, take charge of all of this. You know, Fritz Pearls, again, for those who might be feeling this overwhelm or fear, anxiety, He's the founder of Gestalt Therapy. He said it well. Fear is excitement without the breath. Fear is excitement without the breath. What does he mean by that? The less that you breathe when you're fearful, the more that fear grows. When people hold that tension in and they stop breathing, fear increases. 
What does he recommend? He says, the best advice I can give you, take big, easy breaths when you feel fear. Breathe like you're at a birthday party blowing out a birthday candle, he says. And you overcome these limiting beliefs, these limiting thoughts, these emotions. Marcus Aurelius, 150 AD, listen to this man. He could have said this yesterday. And understand again how he's trying to teach people about life. And now 1900 years later, his words just as true. Here's Aurelius. When you first rise in the morning, tell yourself, I will encounter busybodies, ingrates, egomaniacs, liars, the jealous, and cranks. They are all stricken with these difficulties because they don't know the difference between good and evil. Sounds a lot like today. If you just wake up and say, I'm going to run into people, they don't know the difference between good and evil, true and false, and be ready, grounded in who you are. Understand you're the lifeboat to rescue people in that shipwrecked place. Aurelius goes on, because I understand the beauty of good and ugliness of evil, I know these wrongdoers are still kin to me. And none can do me harm, nor can I be angry at my relatives or hate them, for we are made for cooperation. So again, conquer the internal. The external is not a problem. A few years ago, Tony Robbins had a, a great set of conversations. He first talked with Carly Simon, the singer who's you know, wrestled with stage fright. He asked her, trying to understand stage fright, what do you feel? She said, my, my heart races, my body gets hot. Start to breathe quick. It's terror. Then he interviewed Bruce Springsteen. He said, what do you experience on stage? He said, my heart races, my body gets hot, I breathe faster. He said, what does that mean? He says, it's, it's excitement. You see, what is it? It's the, it's the same emotions they were experiencing as far as the physical reality, but the emotion they knew Change from one was fear and terror to the other said excitement. Why? Because they changed the meaning. Once you change the meaning, everything changes. You know, is, is God punishing you or is he leading you to a new destiny? Once you put meaning on something, everything's new. Listen to Joe Dispenza here. He says, if you've spent years in a cycle of thinking and feeling, you have conditioned your body to be addicted to those emotions. He says, take, for example, misery. Just changing your environment with a new job won't break that addiction any more than somebody addicted to drugs could break their craving just by going to Hawaii. How do you get out of those addicted emotions that may be self-destructive? He said, you have to think greater than you feel to make real lasting change. We'll talk about that. To think greater than you feel. So let me share a couple studies here. And again, we may not understand what's happening in a scientific sense. That's not the issue here. Just understand what's happening and what's possible. Begin to think greater than you feel. You know, there's a great uh, uh, video. You can see it on our page where they put these metronomes, these counters, it just tick tock back and forth. They put, you know, about three dozen together out of sync. Within two minutes, they go in sync, pendulum swinging, just perfect in sync. Why did that happen? 
You're the first person that noticed that Christopher Huggins, a contemporary of Isaac Newton, he created the pendulum, the grandfather clock. And when he had a clock on the wall, he put some smaller ones on the wall. They were all swinging out of sync. He left for the night. He came in the next day. All the smaller clocks were now the pendulum in sync with the large clock. We call that entrainment. Why does that happen? Again, there's different theories in science, but the reality is whether we can explain it or not, the point is very clear that what is in the environment impacts other things in the environment, and the strongest force in that environment is going to impact the most everything else. So think about somebody really angry. If they walk into a room, how they can bring this tension to everybody else. On the flip side, if you walk in with joy and excitement and passion, and you're the strongest energy in that room, you're gonna impact others. The point is we impact others or they're impacting us even if we're not conscious of it. I'll show you some other examples again, but we want to be in training, impacting, influencing others not being entrained, impacted, influenced by the world, which again, in many ways, is shipwrecked, anxiety, anger, division. So let me share a study here. This was done. There is no, again, science explanation for this, but this was repeated several times. Rene Pioche did this study. Here's what he did. He had some simple ideas here. He had a robot put a pencil on the robot so when it went across the floor, it drew a line so he could see the path that it took. Now this was a random event generator. And so what happened? He put the robot in a room, turned it on, and as you can see, it drew this erratic pattern all the way around the room, bumping walls, moving out, bumping walls. Random pattern traced all across the room Every corner is where the robot went. Then he did something fascinating. He had some baby chicks. He had them imprint on the robot. They saw it as a parent figure. And then he put the chicks in that same room, put them in a cage, and then he turned on the robot. And again, it's drawing everywhere in the room it's going what took place well here's the drawing the robot's pattern with the chicks in the room and as you can see it never went more than halfway across the room away from the chicks without the chicks in the room it goes all around the room when they were in that room it stayed right by that cage why again from a science standpoint we can't offer an explanation what we can say though is they were they had an intention that influenced an inanimate object how's that possible again we can't explain it what we can say is it happened what am i wanting us to understand the things in the environment impact other things in the environment what has the most impact is what has that strongest intent strongest faith strongest emotion and if little chickens can influence a, a robot, how much more can you and I influence those in our life? You know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I sold a house and we had been through this before. So we, we knew how people respond to, to a house for sale when they go in. 
that go online and send feedback and that feedback comes to you and your email and we said we don't want that because we had seen it before and we know it's just random opinions. The realtor forgot to turn off those emails. The first few showings, we got that feedback email. It was that random opinion of people. One person loved the house. The next person hated the house. One said it's a great price. Somebody else said it's a terrible price. Again, these random opinions, just like we hear with the talking heads. We want, we want to be grounded in what is true. We turned off the, the feedback. We got this really silly email from somebody that said, before selling the house, you should have cleaned out the cigar smell. We've well, been in that house for years, never smoked cigars. The people that lived in it as renters, they don't smoke cigars. Nobody smokes cigars. In fact, when we cleaned the house, we did the carpet, did the paint on the walls, scrubbed everything with detergent. There could be no smell of cigars. One, because they never were there. But two, we already cleaned everything. Why'd this person say that? Just some negative, random opinion that's not based in anything. But that was that person's reality. But it's not truth. So again, don't let the external influence the internal, which needs to be grounded and firm in Christ. Fascinating studies. Again, how do you explain these things? Again, science wrestles with this. We could say mind over matter, faith over matter, muscle studies. The first one done at Cleveland Clinic. What they did is had participants mentally imagine flexing their biceps five times a week for 12 weeks. At the end of the study, their bicep strength increased 13.5%, even though they did not use the actual bicep. They just imagined using it. University of Texas wanted to follow up, do their own study on this. So they had participants visualize contracting their muscle with, quote, firm intention. Again, five days a week for 12 weeks, just visualizing what they find, an increase in strength of 10.8%. Third follow-up study by Ohio University. They thought maybe people are cheating. So what they did, they had two groups, group A, group B. They wrapped their arms in casts so they couldn't move. They thought maybe other people were actually moving their arms, not just visualizing. So they wrapped their arm in a cast so they can't move it. Group A did not visualize. Group B, though, just like the other studies, they would imagine exercising their muscles for 11 minutes for five days a week. Look at this study. The group B that visualized using their muscle, they were now twice as strong as the group A that did not visualize. So what does this mean? Again, Joe Dispenza, these people changed their bodies just by mentally rehearsing the activity with thought alone. And here's the key. So what are you mentally rehearsing and creating when you wake up in the morning? Just thought alone can change the environment, influence others. 60,000 thoughts a day if we're on autopilot thinking those negative thoughts. As Dispenza said, you have to think greater than you feel to make real lasting change. You move beyond all those things in the outer world by taking your attention off them through prayer. When you do that, your body's going to try to go back to those addicted emotions. The answer for you and me, stay focused in that prayer, feeling as if your prayer is already answered. Where'd Dispenza get that? 
We know it's Matthew 11 when Jesus said, I tell you, when you ask for anything in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. It's not just mind over matter, it's faith over matter. It changes everything. As somebody once said, courage is fear prayed for. What does this mean again for you and I? We either influence the world or the world influences us. When we stand in a place of faith and say, I believe in the one who said all things are possible in him, then we've won that game because the internal is handled, the external won't rattle us. When we live in a place of possibility, expectation, intention, everything's different. As Adrian Rogers shared as we close, you go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're told this is King Saul before his king. The donkeys belonging to King Saul's father were lost. He said to his son Saul, take your servant, go look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hills of Ephraim, no donkeys. He went to the district of Shalim, the donkeys were not there. He now went to Benjamin's territory, but did not find them. Finally, his servant said, in this town, there's a prophet, Samuel, highly respected. Everything he says comes true. Let's go there. Perhaps he will tell us where the donkeys are. And when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I told you shall be king. So Samuel said to Saul, stay for a while. I have a message to you from God. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, and said, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? As Adrian Rogers said, if we could imagine how Saul would tell the story of what happened and what can happen for you and I. Perhaps Saul's words were like this. Day one, hot, dry, and donkeyless. Day two, hot, dry, and donkeyless. Day three, anointed king over Israel. You see, because everything can change in a moment. It's up to you and I to walk in that faith, in that courage, in that confidence. Courage is fear that's been prayed for. But we allow the world and its shipwrecked state influence us. Or rather, will we say, I'm going to influence the world around me. And let my light so shine in the darkness that God should be glorified in Jesus' name.